This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hello, listeners, and welcome to the Sailing and Cruising the East Coast of the United States podcast. I'm Bala Musitz. And I'm Mike Wasserman. This is our podcast about sailing and cruising on the East Coast of the United States. So, Mike, here we are, February 4th. What's new with you? Hmm, not too much, honestly, Bela. Um, you know, we have these weird academic semesters in uh, in Germany, so it's, it's the beginning of February and we're just finishing uh, so I have a big stack of grading to do. I have one more exam to give next week. Um, but yeah, the students are pretty stressed out between school and COVID and uncertain job markets and all of these things. So, um, a lot of support, uh, supporting the students and encouraging them. And, uh, so that's always a big challenge. Um, let's see. Oh, we have a visiting PhD student from the U S who's joining for a year. And you maybe heard about the vast amount of German bureaucracy and paperwork that we have here, <laughs> which is especially true for something like this. So um, bringing in somebody um, to come and live here for a year and finding a place to live and doing all the paperwork was really an interesting adventure. Um, so I spent a lot of time the last few weeks um, kind of working with her. She doesn't speak much German, so um, a lot of translation and things like that. So. Uh, so that was good, but it was a navigational challenge to use a boating analogy, but uh, we got the boat in the slip, no problem. So she settled in and started work uh, on the first, I guess, Tuesday that was, and, and it worked out fine. Oh, that's great. Um, yeah. So always exciting to get uh, new people into the organization, I think. Yeah, learn. And, you know, every every good teacher is a good student, and every good student is a good teacher. So I like to get some new ideas and learn some things. Uh as well and um, expose our students to um, to some new voices. So she'll teach uh, a class uh, next year and that'll be great. Um, so yeah, and then I guess in the news um, here in Germany, you know, we watched the situation between Russia and the Ukraine with some trepidation and concern. I think I mentioned this before when we've been chatting, but it's about the same distance, I think, between like you and Minneapolis as it is between where I'm sitting and Kiev. Um, yes. So it's it's not so far away. And if you read the news at all, I don't know how much this makes the U.S. press, but there's an interesting dynamic kind of between Germany and Russia and the interplay of the U.S. And um, there's, you know, a lot of traditional we, they've been Russia's been both an ally and an enemy in the past. So um, it's not quite as clear cut, I think, always as it is in the U.S. And I'm not even quite sure about how I feel about all this. Um, I probably view the relationship with Russia more like an American a U.S. American rather than a German, but yeah. um, but it's been interesting to watch this year. Yeah, I bet. Yeah, it, there's a fair amount of stuff in the news about about that here locally. But hey, I'll tell you one thing: with us, finally, COVID bit us. Mm. So COVID is in the family. <laughs> 
So, uh, you know, here, here, yeah. So here's, here's the, here's the funny thing. All right. I think this whole thing is ironic. So, uh, back, uh, in, uh, for the new year, back in July or July, yeah, in January for the new year, we were supposed to go out and see Andy and Kate and our, uh, granddaughter, seven month old granddaughter. And of course the granddaughter is not vaccinated. So, you know, prior to the visit, we're very careful and all this kind of stuff. Well, lo and behold, we get a confirmed COVID exposure like four days before we're supposed to go out for the New Year's with them. So we call them up and they say, no, no, we don't want you coming here because uh, we don't know if you guys, you know, are going to get COVID. We don't want you to get sick when you're here, et cetera. So I said, OK, fine. And they said later in the month, uh, in, in January, we have uh, almost a full week off and uh, we'll come out to see you guys and we'll bring June out to see you guys. Oh, that's great. And uh, so the month of uh, January, Elaine and I are like super careful. We're, we're almost like quarantining, right? I didn't go skiing. We're, very, we, you know, we just, we're ordering our food online. It's, it's like reminiscent of back when we were, you know, things were really locked down because we didn't want to get a COVID exposure. So before they come out, like two days before they come out, we get COVID tests. They're all negative. Um, they come out to see us. They arrive on a Tuesday and everything's great. And on Wednesday, June, the, the baby starts feeling sick and uh, everyone else is fine. And so she's got a runny nose, a little cranky, uh, but you know, nothing real bad. No, no, maybe a light temperature that kind of comes and goes or light fever that kind of comes and goes. And uh, she starts feeling okay, but not great. And then, so they did, they leave on uh, Friday. So arrive Tuesday, they leave Friday on Saturday, Elaine starts feeling sick and Andy, my son, the June's father starts feeling sick. So they both get COVID test and they're positive. (laughs) June gets a COVID test and she's positive. (laughs) So here we are for the whole month of January, quarantining and doing all these things so that June doesn't get COVID. And it looks like she's the one that brought it into the family somehow. Wow. <laughs> so, Bummer. I mean, how funny is that? So I haven't, I don't have any symptoms. Uh, I got tested yesterday. Uh, it'll be, I'll probably get the results later today. So I, I don't know if I have it or not, but if I do have it, I'm asymptomatic. If I don't have it, I don't know how I didn't get it because Elaine and I, you know, we live together and, and we haven't been really taking any, she's not wearing a mask around the house or anything like that. And, you know, I was holding June and kissing her and doing all those things just like everyone else was when, when they were here. So um, I'm interested. I'm, I'm really curious as to um, my COVID test to, to see what it will, uh, it will show. You look good. I mean, the listeners can't see you, but I can see you. You look fine. So <laughs> yeah, I feel fine. You know, we'll see. so I yeah. think there's variation, at least from what I've read from the medical journals, that there seems to be variation in people's immunities and people's ability to, to, sure. to fight it. So, and it can vary day to day, even it's not one person or the other, it's ebbs and flows a little bit. So there's, I guess, a little element of somewhat randomness to it. And yeah, hopefully uh, your wife recovers and your son recovers and most importantly, the baby recovers and oh yeah, the baby's healthy. fine. So it was like three days. It was three days for June and she was back to normal and it hit Andy pretty hard. He's, he still sounds pretty crappy on the phone. And it's, it's interesting 
uh, all three times when he got his vaccines, it knocked him down for like a day. And like Elaine, you know, Elaine and I got the vaccine. I felt nothing. Interesting. So, yeah, but the vaccine, the vaccine knocked him down and this, this knocked him down pretty good. I mean, he's not, you know, he's not on a ventilator in the hospital. He's at home, but, uh, he said, it's like, you know, getting whacked with the flu pretty hard. Hmm. Bummer. So, yeah. So there we go. And here again, you know, him and his wife are both ER docs. So they've been, they've been in the COVID soup for the last two years <laughs> and they haven't gotten it. <laughs> I don't know miraculously how they can work in that environment and not get COVID. Right. So there it goes to show you that sort of protective equipment and all those things that they wear work and the precautions they take, you know, you can, you can pretty much uh, stop an infection. Um, but here we go. <laughs> they get it at home <laughs> from the little, from the baby. <laughs> so wild. Yeah. Wild. I thought well, so. it's just strange. And there's a lot we know and a lot we don't know. Right. And they're still yeah. learning. So we still are. We still are. Hey, so let's get on with the podcast. Sure. Um, you know, we received an email, uh, from a listener, uh, Chris Curtis, uh, and he was asking about how to find people to sail with him. So he has a, a, a nice sailboat and uh, he'd like to go out for three or four day cruises. Uh, and his family's not really interested in that. Uh, so he's looking and he doesn't want to sail alone. So he's looking at, so how do I find crew? How do, how do I, how do I sort of, you know, connect with people? Uh, and uh, so I thought that was that was sort of an interesting question, and I thought maybe we'd give that a a, a, a chat today in our podcast. What do you think? Sure, Bay, that sounds great. It it seems like this is a lot like when you took the boat back here from Nova Scotia a few years ago, wasn't it? That's correct. That's right. I I was I was ba- I got connected uh, to the captain and, and the owner of that boat uh, via a, a website. Exactly. Yeah. And this is such an interesting issue because it's amazing to me how this works. Like, okay, you're agreeing to spend a whole bunch of time with somebody you've never met in really close quarters, right? On an expensive piece of equipment, right? That can break, right? With lots of potential for problems due to weather, mechanical problems. Somebody's an idiot. There's an accident, right? I mean, this is a lot. I mean, I get a little weirded out just renting an Airbnb, right? And that's just somebody's apartment for a couple of days with the owners gone. But this to me is a whole different thing. I can't imagine a couple of weeks on a small boat with a stranger. So I'm curious about this too, Bela. How does it work? <laughs> well, I, I never quite thought about it exactly in those terms, Mike. <laughs> but but you're spot on. It's like going to live with some stranger you never met before for for a period of time. And you can't leave. Uh, so that brings up a good point. So I think the first place you look is for friends. So if you know some people, you know, that are adventurous and are willing to go with you, uh, and sailing is pretty easy. I, I can sort of teach somebody to sail the boat in a half hour. Um, so I, I think that I'd much rather have some a friend or friends with me if that's possible. Uh, and I think three people is better than two people, particularly if they're not skilled uh, to have two is better than, uh, uh, or a total of three people is better than just to have two and just one person skilled. But the first place I would look is friends and acquaintances, sort of people, you know, um, and if that doesn't work out, 
uh, or you want to have someone who, who is experienced. Because if you're doing night sailing and you're sort of going out for, you know, four or five days at a time, there's sort of a difference between going out for a day sail uh, and you don't want to do that single-handed, so you want to bring a person with you versus I'm going for a four-day trip. I'm going to be 100 miles offshore, etc. So I'm not sure I'd want to bring a brand new green person out in that situation. Um, you know, you want to know a, a few things about him, and you're going to have to take night watch. And, uh, you know, that's, a, that's something I wouldn't want a brand new beginner on. So lo and behold, uh, you know, the web is a wonderful thing. And there are several of these crew finding websites uh, and organization. I sort of break them down into two categories. There are sort of commercial sites, or I, I call them, these are my terms, commercial sites, where you basically have to pay a fee. Uh, and you can find crew. Uh, and uh, some of them are called find a crew, crew seekers, crew find. You know, if you do your typical search online, a bunch of these will pop up. And, and these will find crew for all sorts of trips. So this is like, if you want to be a crew person on a super yacht, that's a place you can go. Uh, if you want to be a crew on a, a personal, personal, personal yacht, you can go there as well. But I think a much better place to go, quite frankly, for sort of the occasional uh, being a crew, kind of the casual thing that you might want to do with the owner of a boat uh, who's, you know, who maybe is looking like Chris is for someone to just sail with them. Uh, there are several uh, sailing associations, sort of these larger sailing associations. Um, for example, there's the Seven Seas Sailing or the Seven Seas Cruising Club. There's the World Cruising Association, the Atlantic Cruising Club. There's the Atlantic Rally for Cruisers. There's the Salty Dog Sailing Association. So all of these have sort of crew locator uh, uh, sections to their websites and, and, the, and part of the service that they provide. And you may or may not have to join those associations to, to participate in their crew finding activities. I think some of them require you to join and others do not. Uh, and again, there's many more. I'm, I just picked these out or ones that I happen to be familiar with. Um, so I think, you know, that's a good place to start is to check some of those out. Uh, and I would read the listings and, and, and I would use those as sort of a way of uh, kind of figuring out what people are looking for, the types of opportunities available, you know, read, read the, the people who are looking for crew and see what they're writing. And then if you want to be a crew, read the things that people are saying about themselves who are looking for crew spots, because uh, that's a nice learning um, uh, opportunity there to figure that out better interesting now this is kind of a dumb question because you talked a little bit about like moving the boat right now yes. do you actually have to be on the boat when you move it or can you not be around for it because it seems like so and again this may be a dumb question but sometimes i don't want to be on for this right if, especially if it's a long really long journey i'd rather just have somebody take care of it and i'll meet them at my new home dock all right, or my new slip. Um, do people have their boats moved by others? Is this a thing, or do you have to kind of be part of it? No, no. There's plenty of people who have their boats moved. So that's a great question, Mike. So, you know, there's there's the snowbird, as we call them here in New England, the snowbird equivalent <laughs> for boats. Mm -hmm. uh, for example, uh, and, and sometimes these can be private boats. People come sailing up in the Great Lakes, or they come sailing in Lake Champlain or up in New England for the summer. 
and and then they go down to their house in Florida for the winter and they want to have their boat down there. So captains, they can hire a captain to move their boat. Uh, and I can remember uh, during a, a part of my venture capital days, I used to drive out to Rochester and Buffalo a lot. And I w- and the New York State Thruway goes right along the Erie Canal. And in the fall, you would see all these boats, you know, sort of heading south on the Erie Canal, leaving the Great Lakes. And in the spring, you'd see them all heading back the other way, you know, coming from the south, going up into the Great Lakes. So there's a lot of people who do that. And there's a, you know, a, a fairly good business that people have in, in moving boats around, you know, and these are, and uh, so that certainly happens and, and you can hire a professional captain to do those things. So, so that's actually another place. Uh, so a lot of these listings you'll, you'll see for these crews are actually captains looking for crew because they have to move a boat. And uh, oftentimes who's hiring you in, in that case is the captain. So it's not the boat owner. So the boat owner and the captain have sort of a contract. And then the captain is responsible for getting the boat there. And if the captain wants additional crew, the captain will hire you. Uh, I think there's some pluses and minuses to this route versus uh, being a crew member for the owner of a boat when the owner is there, as I did with the with moving the boat from Nova Scotia back to Baltimore a few years ago. So I think if you're on a, a, a delivery if you're working for a delivery captain, uh, I think some of the pluses are, you know, it's a professional captain. They're licensed. This is what they do for a profession. They're pretty skilled. They're pretty experienced. Uh, you actually may be able to get paid for that. Uh, it sort of depends on the situations. Some will pay you, some will not. Some will just cover your expenses. Uh, so that's sort of negotiable and it sort of depends on, you know, uh, how bad they need people. Um, the other thing that I think you want to be cautious about is that it's an unfamiliar boat more than likely to the captain and to you. So the captain may have never moved this boat before, so they don't know much about it. And so they don't know how it handles. They really don't know the condition of the boat. Yeah, you can go walk around the boat and check stuff, but you know you really don't know what shape everything is in. Uh, you don't know the equipment and, you know, how how everything works. It may be a different navigation system than the one you're used to. So you got to sort of learn, you know, it's like it's like the difference between an iPhone and an Android phone. Yeah, they're both phones. You can figure out how to dial a, a phone number. But after that, stuff works differently. Um, you don't know if the boat's been maintained properly. So there's that sort of piece to it um, that you just want to be aware of. And don't assume that the captain knows all those things because this may be a new boat to the captain as well. The other thing is, um, it's not a pleasure cruise. So the captain's trying to get the boat from point A to point B, and they're probably trying to do that as expeditiously as possible. Uh, At the same time, they don't want to break the boat. So they're not going to push the boat really hard, like a racer would, (laughs) you know, and take it out in super high winds and stormy seas. But at the same time, they're sort of on a schedule. So you're not going to stop halfway down and take two days and kind of lounge around, you know, Savannah, Georgia for a while and check out the sites. You're, you're moving. So again, it's a great, great way to do it. A lot of pluses and minuses, but just, just be aware of what they are. Interesting. Now tell me about the process that you followed when, when 
you arranged your trip? Yeah, so I, I, I joined the Salty Dogs Sailing Association. And I heard some good things about it. And I was hanging out on their website. And they have lots of other good information there as well. And uh, so I, I decided to join them. I think it's like 75 bucks a year. So, I mean, it's not a lot of money. And they do three rallies a year. So a rally is sort of an organized trip that multiple boats participate in. So they do one rally from the Chesapeake Bay to the Caribbean, and that's typically in early November. They do another rally back to the Chesapeake Bay from the Caribbean uh, in April or May. And then they do a summer cruise somewhere along the East Coast, typically. And they can have anywhere from 30 to these Caribbean rallies oftentimes will have 75 or 100 boats in them. Wow. And yeah, so the so you know the rally is you, they all congregate in one place. You know they sort of have some safety briefings and weather briefings, and and then they sail. They all they don't sail as a convoy. Everyone's sort of on their own, uh, but they offer various different services and you know weather routing assistance, etc. So they're they're quite good. So they have uh, they have a crew finding uh, service. Because many times uh, people, you know, a husband and wife couple uh, want to take their boat from uh, the Chesapeake down to the Caribbean, and there's just the two of them, and that's it's like 1,500 miles. I mean, that's a, you know, that that takes a, wh- a while. So you know, they want to ha- have some crew with them. So I signed up for their crew list uh, for their summer cruise that year, which was from the Chesapeake Bay to Nova Scotia and back. Uh, so I posted my sailing resume. I have a sailing resume, which talks about my experience and uh, my availability, you know, sort of when I'm available, for how long, et cetera. So that's, that was sort of step one. And how long did it take to find a match, you know, like the Tinder of boat apps or whatever? Who swiped? <laughs> who swiped? I forget yeah. if it's swipe right or swipe left. I don't know, but. Yeah. Yeah. It, it is. It is. You know, I, uh, I've been married for a long time, so I, I haven't yeah, me dated, too. but <laughs> yeah, I don't, of... I've never used a dating app in my life. Right. It's been yeah. 36. Well, married for 31, shacked up for right, whatever, or no, yeah. shacked up for 31 years, married for 20, almost 27. So yeah, yeah, I have no idea about this dating thing, but I know you swipe. I just don't know which direction. <laughs> yeah, well, it, yeah, this is like it was. It was weird from that perspective for me, but I, I'm sure for people who who are younger in age. Um, so uh, you know, I posted my resume, and I got contacted by the boat owner who was looking for a crew person for the return trip from Nova Scotia to Baltimore, and in sort of the email back to me. He, he sort of said, hey, I saw your resume, you know, you looked interesting. Uh, and it's him and his wife, and they wanted a third person for this trip. And they were going to sort of take a leisurely stroll back. It wasn't like, you know, nonstop from Nova Scotia to Baltimore. And uh, so, you know, like the first contact is is email. I just, just I imagine like on a dating site. Then we had a phone call, <laughs> you know, and then we met in person. So... So yeah, it was, it was sort of, it was sort of interesting and we were lucky we could meet in person quite honestly, because on the way from Baltimore up to Nova Scotia, they, the rally stopped in Newport and I timed it to go out and visit my son 
in Providence uh, for when they were going to be in Newport. Uh, when the rally ah, was going to be in Newport. And you saw the boat, too. Yeah, and then I could see the boat, right? So this was each, each of us wanted to do this, meaning the captain wanted to meet me, <laughs> and I wanted to meet him and his wife, right? Because you can only do so much you know, over the phone. And uh, so we had dinner together. And, and that was sort of, you know, our first date to see, okay, do we want to, do we want to have a longer <laughs> 10 day date? Uh, and so that, that worked out really well. And, and if there's a way to do that, I would very much recommend that. Um, and, and, um, so we met, we had, we had dinner together, uh, and, and that was really cool. Was that a little awkward? Like, what'd you talk about at dinner? Did he ask you a bunch of questions or, you know, like, how did that go? Yeah, well, we, we, we immediately bonded because we were both engineers. Okay. <laughs> so, so, so that was like, all right, you know, that was like, check, <laughs> right? The, 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 he's diligent, he's careful, he's analytical, you know, and he's saying the same stuff about me that I'm saying about him in my head, right? So, so, so we sort of bonded on, 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 on that level immediately. But, you know, he sort of asked me about my experience. You know, what, what kind of boats have I sailed on? How much sailing have I done? Have I done any ocean sailing? Meaning, you know, not just in the bay, but sort of out where the waves get big and the wind blows hard. Have I done multi-day passages? Um, have I done night sailing? And have I taken night watch? Um, do, do I have any diet restrictions, right? Or allergies? Uh, do I have any health issues? Right. He, he, I mean, you can have a health emergency when you're a hundred miles offshore. It's a big problem. Yeah. It's a big problem. Right. And then if the coast guard has to come pick up a person, then you're down a crew member. <laughs> so, so, uh, so, you know, do I have any health issues? Uh, do I get seasick? Um, do you get of, seasick? Uh, I don't know. And the, re- <laughs> the reason I say that is I always wear a patch. There's, there's these little patches you can buy that go behind your ear. I've read that they work well. Uh, a lot of people take Dramamine, uh, which works for motion sickness, but I, I use these little patches. They're good for three days. And every time I've been on a, a longer passage, I've always used these patch, patches. I've never had any trouble, but I've never done one without a patch. Nor should you. Right? <laughs> so, but yeah, I, I mean, it's like, why take that risk? Because seasickness is freaking awful. And once you get it, there's not a lot of there's no, most of the medications don't work to make it go away. It's more preventative. Right? So, right. Yeah. Yeah. They're more preventative. Uh, and I do things like I don't drink, I don't drink caffeine. You don't eat greasy food. You know, there's a couple of things that you can do that, that you can help to manage that. But uh, yeah, so I really don't know if I get seasick or not. Uh, he asked me about my navigation skills. Uh, you know, what have I, what have I done uh, with respect to that? Uh, he also asked me, can I swim? <laughs> right? Great question. <laughs> uh, so that was, that was pretty good. Uh, so yeah, so he sort of had, had his list of, of things that he sort of went through and, and talked about and, and, and checked. Uh, and, uh, so that was pretty good. And then I had a bunch of questions, right? So okay. at the yeah, same time. Yeah, because it's dating. It's two ways here. Right. Absolutely, right? Absolutely. This is, don't be, this is like, you know, whether it be, I, same as interviewing for a job. The job interview is a two-way street as well. Mm-hmm. So I asked him about his experience, right? I asked him about his ocean sailing experience. I sort of asked him, so what's your, what's your go and no-grow criteria? So if, if, 
you know, at sort of what, what weather window do you say we're staying in port? Sort of where's your, where's your, where's the line for you about, nope, we're not going out or we're staying in port or this is getting too rough. We're going to go find a port. How do you, how do you sort of make that decision? Um, I asked him about the safety gear on the boat. Is there a life raft? Uh, is there an EPIRB? An EPIRB is, uh, I forget what it stands for, but it's an acronym, but it's basically an emergency locator beacon that if you pull the little string on it and you activate it or you push the button on it, it basically sends out a signal that the satellites can receive and they transmit that signal to, depending on where you are in the world, to one of like five or six of these sites around the world that then start a rescue process. Um, and uh, so, you know, do you have an EPIRB? Uh, do you have life jackets? What type of life jackets? I asked him what he sort of likes to do for his watch schedule, right? Meaning you're supposed there's supposed to be somebody always on watch, meaning at the helm of the boat, or they don't have to, you don't have to be at the helm, but you have to be up and looking around to make sure you're not going to hit anyone. Uh, sort of how does he sort of uh, manage that? I asked him about his alcohol policy, right? So, you know, there's some people who say no alcohol on a boat at all, period. Other people say only alcohol when you're anchored <laughs> or import. And other people say, that's fine. You can, you know, you can drink while we're sailing. So I wanted to under, understand sort of his alcohol policy. Um, and I'm, I'm a, I myself, I don't drink much at all, but I'm like, while you're, when you're sailing, no alcohol. Right. Just yeah. Zippo. We've that's, talked that's about that. That's the answer that. I wanted. That's the answer right. I wanted. That's the answer right. I got. Right. And we've talked about that, about how decision made, fast the decisions have to get made yeah. and how fast things can move. And I Absolutely. love to drink, but I totally get that. That you yeah. know, it's like it's a, it, you're moving fast. It, it's hard to stop sometimes, right? And you got to have right. your wits about you. So I totally that's get right. that. That's right. Just like driving. Same same idea. Right. Anchor, uh, uh, I get it. You know what I mean, right? You're yep, calling sure. it a night. That's great. If that's what you want to do, no problem. But yeah. Yep. Uh, ask him about the navigation equipment he has on the boat and the gear. You know, uh, how many GPS units uh, does he have charts also? Um, I asked him what the accommodations were. So do I get my own room good. or do I? Yeah, good to ask before you show up, right? <laughs> right. Do I get my own cabin? Or, you know, do I have to, do I have to sleep on the floor? <laughs> right. I wanted, I wanted to understand that. And what equipment do I need to bring? Right. Do I need to bring my foul weather gear? Do I need to bring my auto inflate life jacket? Do I need to, you know, all that kind of, kind of stuff. Uh, so that was, that was sort of my list, you know, and his list as, as we kind of ran through it. So we had a lot to talk about at dinner. It was a long dinner. <laughs> yeah. But it worked. Neat. It, but, but it worked. Yeah. Yeah. Last last question. You talked a little bit earlier about how sometimes you get paid, sometimes it's just expenses. How did it work in your case, and were you kind of satisfied with with how how things ended up? Yeah. In uh, in this case, uh, he covered my food and and all the boat expenses. I had to figure out how to get myself to to Halifax, Nova Scotia, and I had to figure out how to get myself home from Baltimore. Uh, and so I paid for my travel. Uh, he, he, he covered all the other boat, boat, boat and food expenses. Um, I did take them out to dinner a couple times while we were in port. 
And, you know, I was doing this to gain experience. So I was getting a benefit out of it, right? I, I didn't do this because I was looking to get paid. I was right. doing this because I wanted to have this experience of, of sailing from Nova Scotia to Baltimore. Um, and I, I wanted it. So uh, there are examples where people will pay you to do something like this, um, give you some compensation. But I think for the most part, you want to do it for the experience, for the camaraderie. Uh, we're still friends to this day. Right. I mean, we, we spent 10 days together. Uh, and, and so I, I think uh, I would say don't expect to get paid. Uh, some people will pick up your travel expenses. Some won't. Again, it sort of depends on supply and demand equation here. It's a great example of, you know, basic economics and supply and demand. So, yeah. Neat. Neat. I think it so works so- out well. I would highly recommend it as a way of getting experience. I think if you're looking for crew, uh, the same thing. Uh, you know, be careful, get to meet the person, ask the right questions. Uh, you're going to be together. And, and, you know, I've read pl- plenty of posts on Facebook and other sort of sailing blogs where these have turned out to be disasters, right? The person shows up and there's sort of, you know, it just doesn't work because the first time you're meeting is the person standing at the dock with their duffel bag getting on your boat, <laughs> right? Yep. And, oh, the one other in question he asked me is drugs, right? Mm-hmm. He said, do you, you know, any, you know, no marijuana, no nothing. And, and I was the same way. So I'm, I'm kind of real straight about that kind of stuff. So, uh, yeah, it was great. I highly recommend it. I think it's a great way to find crew or to be crew. Yeah, I love it. You know, we started the conversation with, oh, my gosh, this would make me feel so uncomfortable because, yeah, it's like dating, but you're on a, 10 day date and you can't get up and go to the bathroom and run out the back door. I mean, unless you want to swim. Um, so, you know, there are some risks involved in this, but it sounds like, you know, the process you've outlined sounds like there's some great platforms for connecting people, uh, that have similar interests and similar approaches. And I think the questions you outlined are a great guide to help maximize the likelihood that, uh, that you find a situation that's a win-win, uh, that both, both, both sides get out what they, what they want out of it. So, I learned a lot, Pela. Thanks. I mean, now this is not something I'd be like, oh my God, I would never consider this. So now maybe you could be like, okay, I could think about this. Um, so, so it was nice. Thanks. What do you think? Should we wrap it up? Yeah, I think, uh, I think this is a wrap, Mike. Great. Listeners, thanks again for joining us for yet another episode. We hope you found our conversation today interesting and thought-provoking. As always, if you have questions about what we've discussed, please feel free to get in touch with us. This whole conversation today started from a, from a listener email. Our email address is sailingtheeast, that's all one word, at gmail.com. Hey, and if you enjoyed the podcast, please hit that follow button on, your, on the podcasting application that you're using. Uh, and, and if you know of someone that would be an interesting guest for the show, let us know. We'd love to invite them on. You know, it's snowing out right now, Mike. Uh, we have about four inches, maybe five inches of snow on the ground. We're supposed to get another two or three. It's 17 degrees out. Uh, I'm starting to think about the boat. <laughs> I'm starting to think about the warm weather. So uh, it'll be here uh, in the not-too-distant future, hopefully. So uh, signing off from upstate New York. See you soon. Bela, thanks. Here it's in the 40s and a little drizzly, but we have yet to have any meaningful snow. And I will tell you that Sandy and I were out for a walk yesterday and we saw some daffodils poking up. So, yeah, it's, it's coming. Hang in there. But from over here in Münster, Germany, see you next time.